Okay, friends, I am back. You have found yourself on the Ketogenic Nutritionist Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Stewart, the Ketogenic Nutritionist, and I have to apologize. It has been too long since I have filmed a podcast. My life has been a little crazy. If you don't already know this, we just moved from Florida to Phoenix so that I could pursue a naturopathic doctor degree out here. So as you can imagine, things have been a little bit hectic, which is why I haven't been on. But if you are new here, let me tell you a little bit about this podcast. This podcast is meant to help you on your ketogenic journey. It's meant to help your health journey in general. And I am just here to give practical steps, practical tips, tricks, you name it. I want this to be useful for you. Um, I love all the educational podcasts out there, but again, I want you to be able to take something away from this and use it in your everyday life, which is why this podcast is going to be about the pitfalls and mistakes most often done when pursuing a ketogenic low carb diet. So let's get into it. So I've probably counseled upwards of four to 5,000 women at this point in this um, journey. And I see a lot of the same mistakes repeated when someone begins a ketogenic diet, low carb diet, um, especially if they're seeking weight loss. And so I want to talk about some of those because I don't want you to fall for these same mistakes. Now, again, nutrition is never cookie cutter. And if there's someone out there that's like, my plan will 100% work for you, they are lying. Nutrition should be 100% individualized. It should include looking at labs and taking into consideration supplements and all those kinds of things. So I just don't want you to fall for that lie is no, there's not one single person on this planet that has the exact right answer for you. A lot of nutrition is trial and error, experimentation, learning to be mindful about your body, figuring out, okay, what does my body like? How do I operate um, best. And also, of course, looking at your hormones, right? Someone in reproductive age, a, a female cycling may be a little bit different than someone in postmenopausal and that's okay. But that may just mean that they need a little bit of different nutritional needs. Now I know I'm ranting at you guys already and it's the very first segment, but I say all that to say, these are the pitfalls that I don't want you to fall for when you do switch to this lifestyle. It'll make your life easier. It'll make you feel better and you'll just have a better time. So Let's get into it. Number one, biggest keto mistake I see, and there's several, so this isn't like in number one order, but the first one I want to talk about is too much dairy. So a lot of people have this idea in their mind about keto and they just think, okay, it's like, it's fat and it's a lot of, a lot of cheese. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to get you into a lot of trouble. Now, I don't want to break open the can of worms of is dairy good for you? Is it not? Because that can get very controversial. Maybe I'll do that on another podcast, but I'll tell you this. It is not optimal to eat and overconsume dairy if you're trying to lose weight, period. A couple reasons why. Number one, it's very, very calorically dense for very small volume. So cheese, um, butter, cottage cheese, cream cheese, you name it, is is half and half heavy whipping cream. All of that gives you a lot of calories for very, very little volume, which means it adds up very quickly, right? It's the same principle as, you know, you being able to snack on a handful of nuts, but that handful of nuts being like 500 calories. So dairy adds up really, really quickly. And I want to say this right now, and this is another little rabbit hole or tangent I'm chasing. Calories matter when it comes to weight loss. Okay. There's a lot of people in the ketogenic field that um, feel or preach against calories. Now, I don't think they're the number one thing, but I'm also not going to say you can go home and overconsume and eat as much 
you know, keto bombs and cheese as you want and, you know, eat 5,000 calories a day and see weight loss. It just doesn't work like that. Now, there's a lot of advantages to the ketogenic diet when it comes to suppression of appetite and things like that that help you eat lower calories. But again, another podcast for a different day. So back to dairy is the number one problem is it's very um, calorically dense and it's very easy to overconsume dairy without even realizing it. And, and now you've got your calories way up. Another thing is, is it is one of those foods that can cause inflammation in some people. Some people do fine. Some people see like hormonal changes with dairy. And so dairy is one of those things that I say it's really trial and error. And I know I've used that word twice and that's not always super helpful on podcasts, but it's true. Um, I tell all my clients, if you want to know if dairy bothers you, try cutting it out. Try cutting it out. See if you see any, um, any resolving symptoms. If you start to lose weight again, um, and just make sure that, you know, it, it is working for you if you're going to continue to consume it, but I definitely don't think it can hurt to try uh, eliminating it for two weeks or a month to just see what happens. You would be surprised at the things that dairy can cause in a healthy individual. I've seen it cause acne, joint pain, headaches, uh, flushing of the face, all kinds of obviously gastrointestinal issues. So I am this this podcast is not about going against dairy. Um, it's just I'm just trying to say if you're not sure about dairy and you've hit a weight loss plateau with keto or you don't seem to be losing weight like you should be or you think you should be, I would give dairy elimination a try. And it doesn't have to be forever. Some people do better with hard cheeses versus like soft cheeses. Some people are able to tolerate small amounts of dairy. So I think right here and the best advice is to just say trial and error it. Give yourself a little bit of time to do elimination diet and see if you feel well without dairy. So that's mistake number one is excessive dairy. All right. The second mistake is consuming too much fat. Now you may think, okay, Tumble, that kind of goes hand in hand with dairy, but it doesn't. So again, another misconception when people are starting the ketogenic diet is they think, oh, you know, I can eat unlimited fat. And yes, while keto is higher in fat, you have to understand that per gram fat is almost double the cal. It is, it's over double the calories of carbs and protein. So that means for every one gram of carbohydrate and one gram of protein you have, you have about four calories with fat for every gram of fat you have, it's about nine calories. Okay. So you have to understand the weight difference there and the calorie difference because fat is much, 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 much more dense than carbs and protein. And so Keto doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be eating massive, uh, copious amounts of fat. It just means that calorically speaking, percentage-wise speaking, the majority of your calories are still going to come from a higher fat source. Now, again, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be eating larger volumes or you need to excessively increase the volumes of fat that you're consuming because just like dairy, fat is very high calorically dense for a very small amount of volume. So it will add up on you very, very quickly. And so one of the, the second mistake I wanted to talk about is just adding too much fat. Like you don't need to add tons of fat on everything. You don't need to drizzle, you know, three, four tablespoons of olive oil over your vegetables. You don't need to add cheese and tons of salad dressing. You don't need to overconsume fat bombs. You don't need to go out of your way to add, you know, half a stick of butter. These are kind of the, the recommendations that's given keto a bad name online is because people are just eating too much fat. And one, it just is, is calorically too dense. Two, it will halt your weight loss. And so 
the goal of keto is to get our body to burn our body fat, right? So ketones are made two ways in the liver. Number one, they're either created from dietary fat or number two, they're created from your own storage of body fat. Now, when we overconsume dietary fat, why would we give our body a reason to tap into its own fat stores to make those ketones? It wouldn't, right? It would just make ketones from the, the dietary fat that you're consuming. And so this is a mistake that I don't like people to make because it will slow your weight loss. You'll get frustrated. Uh, fat can be hard to digest. So sometimes it can even cause some GI distress. And so that would be my, um, my second keto pitfall is don't overconsume fat. Now, how do you know if you're eating the right amount of fat? You're eating just the right amount of fat. If you're having no problem staying full in between meals, if you're finding that the cravings have gone down after a couple of weeks, if you're not feeling that urge to eat late at night, typically it's about two tablespoons per meal, um, added fat. Now that doesn't necessarily include, you know, if you're eating a steak, obviously steak's going to have a higher fatty acid profile or higher fatty, fatty content than chicken. Um, so you just have to be really, really mindful of it. This is why I recommend most people track at least in the beginning to see, okay, how many grams of fat am I eating? Usually it's over a hundred for keto. Um, I'm sorry, not over a hundred. Usually it's less than a hundred. It can be anywhere from 80 to hundred. It obviously depends on the anthropometrics of the individual, but just be mindful of that. If you found yourself at a keto plateau, look and see, okay, am I adding oil to everything? Am I drinking butter in my coffee? Am I taking a spoonful of coconut oil in the morning? Those things can be good and can be helpful in some scenarios, but overall, if you're trying to lose weight, stop adding fat to everything. Number three, too many keto treats. And I know some of you are like, Temple, Dagnabbit, why did I listen to this episode? Too many keto treats is going to get you in trouble. Here's why. Number one is food companies are very manipulative, so they may label a keto treat a keto treat, and it's really just ice cream with a ketogenic label. Okay. So I want you to understand that right now, food companies have bought on to the idea that people are trying to avoid sugar because people are catching on to its very detrimental effects. And they are labeling foods low carb and keto when they are truly not low carb and keto. A lot of people count net carbohydrates. I may even add that um, as one of the pitfalls, but just understand keto treats, whether it's keto cookies, brownies, cakes, pies, bread, Whatever you want to name it can be okay in very small amounts. What I would recommend that you do is when you go to purchase a quote unquote ketogenic or low carb food is you turn the package over, you read the label first, you look at total carbohydrates. Are total carbohydrates over 10 or 15? If they are, this is likely not a low carb product, okay? Now there are there are exceptions, of course. There are some naturally high fiber, high total carbohydrate foods that may fit and may not have much of an impact on your blood sugar. But in general, if your mission low carb tortilla has 30 grams of total carbohydrates and 20 grams of fiber, it's still, though the fiber, yes, cancels out if you're counting net carbohydrates, it's still higher carb product. Okay. And if you don't already know this, I'm a fan of counting total carbohydrates. If you follow me on Instagram, you would know. Um, I don't really love counting net. I think it can be helpful um, for maintenance stages, but in the, in the initial stages of getting into low carb keto, you need to count total. And so when you're looking at keto treats, when you're looking at all these things, that's the first thing you want to look at. Another problem with keto treats is when they remove sugar, they typically have to add in a lot of sugar alcohols. Sugar alcohols are not as innocent as you may think. Now, stevia, monk fruit, things like that are okay. Erythritol, even xylitol, but there are other sugar alcohols like sorbitol, maltitol, things of that nature that are still going to impact your blood glucose levels, right? And so, yeah, you may find a low-carb product and it has a sugar alcohol in it that claims to have a very low glycemic effect, but still may affect your insulin, still in turn 
may affect your blood glucose. So you have to be really careful with sugar alcohols um, and total carbohydrates in general, just with these keto treats. It's just so manipulative. It's so frustrating for me when I go to the store and find this kind of stuff because I know some of my clients are buying it. It's just really hard to um, to make sure that these are the, the knowledge is out there about these keto treats. The second thing I would look at on the actual package is the ingredients list. Um, you should look at the ingredients list of anything. If you're going to eat something, put it in your body. You definitely want to know what's in it, correct? And so, um, you know, if its first ingredient is wheat, someone explains to me how that could be a keto treat or a keto product. It can't, right? It's the food companies being manipulative again. And so understand when you're looking at ingredients on a nutrition label that the first ingredient is going to be the highest ingredient per volume. So let's say something has, you know, wheat flour, corn syrup, such and such and such. That product is mostly made of wheat flour and corn syrup. Okay. You can go down the list and obviously towards the bottom of the list, you're going to get to a lot of like the flavorings and the colorings that they're putting very little, um, in that actual product, but just understand the ingredients list is listed by volume. So that is the third mistake that I see is people, um, instead of overcoming and working on the behaviors of sugar addiction, um, they turn to a lot of keto treats. And again, I'm not against this. I have a keto treat occasionally, um, here and there, and that's fine. What I don't want you to do is replace your regular sugar addiction with keto treat addiction, um, because it's going to slow weight loss. It's going to keep you out of ketosis. And that's the biggest thing that I see with this is, it really does keep you out of ketosis and people just struggle to see the results and then they lose motivation and it goes down here from downhill from there. So keto treats are not a no, no, but they're something you need to moderate and there's something you need to find a good quality keto treat and, or just bake it from home. Okay. This next one's a little easier said than done because I myself have fallen victim to this kind of trap, but the next pitfall and mistake when going on a ketogenic diet is only using the scale as your measurement of success. Now, I am pro scale. <laughs> I think the scale can be very helpful and very good in giving us information about what's going on in our I think a lot of times, though, people get way too hyper-focused on the scale and way too um, mood dependent on its numbers. When in reality, the scale is literally just telling us how much our body weighs. It doesn't tell us how much our body composition is muscle or how much of it is fat. Are, are we dehydrated? Have we had a bowel movement recently? Are we hormonal? Cause ladies out there, you can hold like eight pounds of water with hormones. So just understand the scale can be helpful. If it, if it starts to mess with your mental health, stop looking at it, um, or find another bit of measurement that's going to be helpful. So some things that I found really good success with is like clothing. I know where I'm standing based on how a certain pair of jeans fit or how a bra fits. And so it's very helpful to understand, okay, Hey, I can judge my my body composition based off of this. Oftentimes too, I've seen women on a ketogenic diet, and I kid you not, not necessarily lose a ton off the scale, but their clothes start fitting way better and they have to get loose or they have to get smaller pants. And so sometimes body composition is a little bit finicky and funny. Um, the good thing about the ketogenic diet, it is, it is number one in terms of treating visceral fat. So visceral fat is the fat that is around your organs, not subcutaneous fat is kind of the fat that's under your skin that a lot of us don't like or want cosmetically removed, but really isn't dangerous. Visceral fat is the fat that's like around your midsection that makes your belt get bigger and makes your pants fit tighter. So that's the dangerous fat. And so I want you guys to understand if the scale's not moving much, but your pants are fitting better, that's a good sign. 
Okay. Your body isn't always, and I have rarely seen this happen in thousands of women where you'll see just a total downhill movement on the scale, right? It often looks like a ladder or a stair stepper, or it goes up a little bit, goes down, goes up a little bit. As long as we're trending in the right direction, the scale can be helpful, but just understand you need to use other measurements. So aside from clothes, other measurements of success that I personally use is obviously lab work. I could do a whole podcast on lab work and you're looking at lowered A1Cs, lower fasting blood glucose, lower HSCRP, lower fasting insulin, better HDL cholesterol, lower triglycerides. I could go on again, another podcast and do, and in fact I might, but Blood work is obviously blood pressure going going down, heart rate variability going up is good. So there's a lot of different measurements you can use. Um, but then there's also some things that you can just notice in your daily life. Is my nutrition plan working for me? Do I want to have sex? Is my libido good? Is my skin good? Do I have an appetite in the morning? What are my stress levels like? Is my stomach acting up? Am I finding myself constipated or having diarrhea? You know, what is my mood like? Am I finding myself very anxious, very stressed out, depressed? Am I having a hard time sleeping? All of those types of things are fantastic indicators if things are improving and if things are going in the right direction. And so don't just use the scale as your sole measurement of success because you're going to find yourself disappointed. And ultimately, this is a lifelong change. I'm not saying that you have to be strict keto for the rest rest of your life, but most of us are going to want to care about our health for the rest of our life and having a good quality of life. And so you're in this for the long haul. So don't let yourself get so hung up and so caught up on the number on a scale when there are so many other measurements of success than besides just that one. Okay. The next mistake when going on keto is definitely going to be doing too much at once. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, going full keto, adding intermittent fasting, adding HIIT workouts and doing all this crazy stuff at once. This is going to get you into trouble, right? Some people are able to make those types of lifestyle changes and be successful with them long-term. Most are not. Okay. Most are just not able to do that. It's very stressful on the body to make all those changes at once. Um, and then you also don't want to do the whole overcommit thing and realize you're in too far. Um, so I really recommend when you, when you change your diet, diet is fundamental to weight loss. Fundamental. A lot of people are like, oh, you need to exercise, go run it off. It doesn't work like that. You cannot exercise. You cannot out exercise a bad diet period. Now you can out exercise one and maybe get yourself a little bit thinner for the time being, but that will catch up to you. You know, come back when you're 50, 60, going through metabolic changes and having body composition changes that it just won't work that long. And so you have to understand nutrition is 90% of the weight loss and health battle. You have to focus on what you are putting in your body period. And so when you go too hard at first, when you start intermittent fasting and you start hit exercising and you change your diet completely, a lot of people just aren't able to sustain that long-term. Now I'm not saying you're not one of them. If you're one of them and you're listening to your car right now and you're like, Temple, you're wrong. I totally did that. More power to you. I could not, you know, I'm, I'm on your side. I'm just saying the average adult One is working a stressful job. Two probably has a couple kids. Three is feeling the life's pressure just like all of us are. And that much change at once is overwhelming and is not something that we're going to be able to stick to. So my encouragement to you here is take a baby step, right? Even if it's just, okay, I'm drinking soda. I need to cut out the soda. Even if it's just like, okay, I don't need alcohol all six days out of the week, all seven days out of the week, 
right? You just look at what you're doing now. Find one thing that you can do better. Do it for a while until it becomes a habit. The next thing, find another thing and and continue that cycle. And before you know it, three, six months down the road, your whole life is going to look completely different. Now, what I recommend for people that want to adopt a ketogenic diet, low carb, lifestyle is you don't necessarily have to go cold turkey on carbs overnight, right? You can very well lower your processed carbs first. So that's going to be things like pasta, breads, cakes, cookies, candy, all your added sugars, processed carbohydrates, get rid of those first. Maybe add in a little bit of starchy vegetables, um, keep in some fruit. That's fine. That may be your next step when you refine your total carbohydrates number. So just look at your diet now, take a baby step, you know, same thing with exercise. A lot of people, when I recommend exercise, I can feel their groaning uh, across the screen. When I talk about exercise, I don't think everyone needs to be out there doing CrossFit, you know, six days a week, right? Okay. Sometimes exercise looks like just getting to your mailbox and back on a walk. Sometimes exercise may be just taking the dog out twice or three times during the day for a 10 to 15 minute walk. Sometimes exercise may just be body weight exercises, or it may be lifting dumbbells or barbells, but starting slow. So understand that you don't have to change the world overnight. You just have to take baby steps in the right direction, stick to those, and then add on to them. Okay. And then the last mistake I see people make is going at it alone. And I know you guys are rolling your eyes. <laughs> like that is so cliche. No, it is so true. You will get research and research shows when, when more people or a community of people or spouses or friends or whatever embark on a journey like weight loss together, more weight's lost and it's kept off longer, period. I cannot tell you how many scenarios and situations I see where couples are together, one's on board, one isn't. And the one that isn't ends up sabotaging the one. It just ends in, usually ends up being in a, a disaster. So now I'm not saying your whole family needs to be keto. I'm not saying all your best friends need to be keto. I just know that you need to find somebody that can hold you accountable. I, I need you to understand that groups can be helpful. A professional can be helpful. Finding somebody that's a like-minded individual that can help you and, and be that support system when you need it, because things are going to get hard. There's going to be triggers. There's going to be barriers. It happens in everyone's journey. But if you have somebody to kind of pull you along when you get weak and you do that for them, you will be a lot, a lot more successful. And that's why I use and do my program in a, like a, a half individual, half group setting is because that camaraderie is crucial. We see it in sports, we see it in the military, we see it in law enforcement all over the board. Camaraderie is uh, linked to greater outcomes. And so I want to encourage you, if you're going about this alone, maybe you don't have a supportive spouse, maybe you don't have a, you know, a supportive family, Find someone that you can find some support with. Um, and if that means signing up and scheduling a discovery call with me, do it. Um, I'm happy to talk about my program, what all it entails, et cetera. But you need somebody in your corner because this is not an easy journey and things are going to get tough just like they do for all of us. You know, I think even coaches and dietitians need coaches. And, you know, so I just want to encourage you to not, you can do this alone, but it's better if you do it in a community. And so, Go find somebody that can be in your corner when things get tough. Okay, those were my top keto mistakes for now, but I'm definitely thinking about doing a part two. So if you enjoyed this, go to my Instagram. I'm at the.ketogenic.nutritionist. Go on my TikTok at the.ketogenic.nutritionist. Send me a DM. You guys let me know if this was helpful for you. I'd be happy to do another one. And also, as you guys know, I'm more than happy to do podcasts on topics that you guys are interested in. So send me your ideas. And obviously, please share this. If you find that it was helpful, share it with a friend, put it on your Instagram, whatever 
uh, you can. It is so valuable for me to get the word out. So I appreciate you guys. You know, y'all are my um, y'all my favorite audience in the whole world. So thank you for being here today. And again, please send me a DM with any questions, comments, concerns, anything that you need. My name's Temple Stewart. I'm a registered dietitian, and you can find me on all platforms under the.ketogenic.nutritionist.